Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Laravel.io podcast. My name is Eric Barnes, and with me on this episode is uh, got Taylor Otwell um, and Ryan Tablada, if I Tablada. butcher yeah. his last name. <laughs> and uh, now if you guys would, you know, you want to talk about yourselves for a second. So I'm Ryan Tablada. I've been working in Laravel, I guess, for about a year now. And uh, been kind of starting to get a little bit more active in the community, building uh, building packages and trying to get uh, availability so that we stop uh, doing so much quite push into core and try to kind of make kind of our requests be something that's reusable but also uh, works for our case. And I'm Taylor Otwell, creator of Laravel and uh, teammate of Eric Barnes at Userscape, the man, the myth, the legend. Backbone Ninja. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So uh, <laughs> in, in this podcast, I think we wanted to talk about packages. And um, what, what, let me give a little background before we dive into that, where I can talk a little bit about where packages can, uh, come from and kind of how they've evolved over the past few years. And when Laravel 1 and 2 um, packages didn't exist, so we can just skip right to Laravel 3, we had this thing called bundles. And... This was uh, before Composer like had the um, sort of market share, so to speak, that it does now. Like Composer existed, I think, like in really early form, but it was only used by like a few Symphony projects, and it wasn't like as obvious at the time that it was going to be really popular. So um, we didn't know if it was going to be just kind of like a Symphony thing, or if this was something that was going to like really take over PHP. And so we wrote like our own kind of bundle install system which was like vastly inferior to composer um, because like in Laravel three bundles didn't have like version comparisons and stuff like that. And it was, it was weird to update your bundles and it just was not as a, uh, not as fleshed out as composer was since they had spent so much time just on the single tool. And so with Laravel four, it was obvious that we needed to switch to composer since it was just, a much better and more robust system. And not only that, it was just so widely used by PHP in general that it was kind of, um, had kind of become the de facto standard. So, and Laravel 4, we use, uh, Composer for all of our package management and that's through the packages repository where pretty much every modern PHP package lives now, it seems like. So, and also in Laravel 4, every piece of the core framework is a package. So, like, the database and Eloquent ORM are a package. Um, the authentication stuff is a package. And all those are out there individually on packages so that, in theory, you could use them um, separated from Laravel, which the database component by far is the most popular one that's probably pulled out of Laravel and used in other projects. So that's kind of that's kind of our brief rundown of where uh, where we were and how we got to this point with uh, Composer and packages. So what what we want to do going forward, I think, is make packages um, and the package ecosystem really broad, so that like Ryan was talking about, we don't have to keep. Um, doing every little feature in the core. And so I know, Ryan, you've already written the um, – you wrote a, an actual package installer, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and that actually uh, – that came out of I, – I put out a proposal on uh, on the core for a day and then was like, well, you know, I thought it was going to be, like, super, super tough to tackle this project. And it was, like, dealing with version control and uh, – dealing with the packages API and I was just trying to figure out like how could we 
make it so that it was really easy to install packages so people didn't have to go modifying their app config folder and all that. And uh, so I kind of just made that proposal, and then one day was, you know, just was like, all right, I'm going to hackathon this. And, uh, like, originally started building it in core and then found, like, well, I could build this as a package really quickly, and then it would be usable for everybody. And, you know, that's what I've started kind of doing that more and more often. And uh, so the package installer, basically, uh, you install it, and then by an ideal, it just uses uh, provides.json file. Which basically yeah. just says what uh, what aliases and what kind of what aliases and service providers you have in your package, and then it just goes from there and kind of modifies your app.config file. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, we need to look at we need to look at that um, package installer probably for like the next release or two to see if that's something we can work in since that's sort of a meta package, so to speak. Yeah, because it do, it does feel a little weird to like have this package installer that makes installing packages easier, but, oh, wait, you have to install this package to do that. Like, that's kind of funky. Right. So. Because that's what I know a lot of people on IRC, when it was with bundles, it was like, oh, yeah, you just zip, you know, move the zip file over into, uh, I think that's the way it worked, is that you just moved a zip file over. Is yeah. that right, Taylor? Yeah, I and think then, so, yeah. Yeah, so, but with packages, it's kind of a little bit more, kind of an interesting process because you have to register service providers and deal with IOC and all this. And yeah. for beginner users, that's kind of a big step. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I wanted to break down that barrier. And even for more advanced users, it's just a pain to be like, oh, this readme had a typo and yeah. now nothing's and with, working. With Laravel 3, we had the um, the bundle start file. Um, where it was just like a start.php within the bundle, but that's kind of been replaced by the service provider, which basically is mm-hmm. a start file for the for the package. Yeah, so, I mean, this this package management stuff at Composer is just so different than how PHP used to be, which old man Eric can tell us about probably. That's right. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, I built Wardrobe, um, which is a little simple blog application. I just had, you know, scratched an itch wanting to build something. And uh, Taylor helped me out with the back end, doing the service providers and all that. And then Ryan came along, and now he's converting it to a composer package. And it's it's kind of blowing my mind on how all this, you know, fits together in one cohesive package thing. And um, so yeah, it's uh, it's a big change from from my pre- my past of working, you know, PHP four. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's Gosh, a lot of good stuff coming though. Yeah, I remember, like, just a year or two ago thinking, like, oh, man, wouldn't it be so awesome if you could just, like, type a command and Laravel would update itself? Like, that would be so sick. And now it's just, like, so commonplace. Like, you take it for granted, you know what I mean? That it's just, you don't even really think about it. Yeah, it's it's, it's truly amazing. Because that's what uh, I was actually looking at doing, like, a screencast on how to update wardrobe. And I'm kind of like, well, people are so using Laravel already, and they're like, they're so used to running composer update. Do I even need to do a screencast on like, hey, when you think wardrobe, like when we tweet that there's something different with wardrobe now, just hit composer update. Like, do we even even need a screencast on that? Like, yeah, that'd yeah. be nice. But that'd be a it, lot better. Ju- yeah, I was gonna say it does worry me. Um, once you get into the non-composer people, I guess you know, once right. you de- you build an app for the masses. How are yeah. they gonna, you know, are they gonna be able to understand it and, and do it still? 
Um, you know, because every other script you ever download is, you know, you unzip it, you move it to where you want it to, and and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. so that should be interesting. Yeah, I bet people will start just like shipping the whole vendor folder. Yeah. For stuff like that. Right. Speaking of Composer, with uh, Laricon EU coming up, we have um, we had a speaker change. We have Jordy coming now, who's the creator of Composer, and he's going to be giving a talk on in-depth Composer uses. And I've seen this, I've seen the slides, and it's actually, I mean, it's quite a bit of stuff I didn't know about Composer. So it's going to be really interesting. It's not going to be just like here's how you Composer update, here's how you install stuff. It's pretty in-depth and has some pretty cool like kind of uh, more advanced features. So that's going to be really interesting. I'm glad he's coming to Laricon EU. Yeah, you should um, yeah. you should tell him that we want a uh, commercial version of Composer. Yeah, so, you know, we could pay for it and it would update instantly and not you know go through a own private service or something. Yeah, like a super yeah. fast backend. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So with packages, one thing that's been crazy for me is like, um, you know, we have Laravel 4.1 coming out in November, and Lar- one of the features in Laravel 4.1 is the new. Um, remote component which lets you ssh into a server and like run commands on that server which the idea was for you to build like um, remote capable artisan tasks like if you wanted to build like a deployer task you could do that but like someone's already put out like this crazy deployment package called rocketeer for laravel 4.1 which is still like months away so like the package development is pretty um there's a ton of packages and the, the package listing we have a couple package um kind of Laravel package specific listers out there. Um pack a list, P A C K A L Y S T dot com mm-hmm. uh is one of them, which there's like hundreds of packages out there for Laravel for Laravel, which is pretty wild really, more than I expected since Composer and packages already have so many packages to begin with. Yeah. And one of the questions I know uh talking back on back and forth on Twitter and in IRC with people like Phil is the question of how tightly coupled to Laravel some of the packages are. And yeah. Taylor, I don't know if you want to uh, talk about that a little bit. I know he's attacked a few of my attempts um, on stuff that it was just like a hackathon. I need it, needed it for one of my projects or a client and, you know, was just yeah. like, man, Laravel makes this so easy and might as well share. And then Phil was like, well, why didn't you make this available for all PHP? So, Taylor, I don't know if you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, like I could, I can see some of that. Like, take for example, like at Userscape, one library we use a lot is that Carbon library for interacting with dates, and like that's a library where it obviously doesn't need to be Laravel specific. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, so using Laravel specific facilities in that would be really weird. So. Like if you're making a library like that, that basically doesn't is framework agnostic. I would suggest mm-hmm. not using any Laravel code. Just make it like a a generic library that everyone can use. But then you have um you have other libraries like um for example um the Jeffrey Way he had a a package that listed the routes in your application. Right. And which eventually became part of the core. The PHP artisan routes command used to be a package which we integrated into the core. But um that is so Laravel specific with the routing and the filters and stuff, it would be really bizarre to try to make that generic. Like you would have to have like funky interfaces and like um right. it would just be a lot of work for something kind of simple, you know, to make it generic. So that's something where we just said, you know what, this is like a Laravel specific thing and we're not going to try to genericize it for like Symphony console or whatever. Yeah. And 
So I think you have a mix of both. Like if your if your package has like views and HTML and migrations and stuff, it's probably just going to be such a headache to try to make that generic, mm-hmm. you know. So, but definitely like any kind of libraries, like um, what's some more examples? Like image manipulation libraries, or like Carbon the date stuff, or um, any kind of like email libraries or PDF libraries. All that kind of like utility stuff definitely should be kind of framework agnostic because it just kind of helps everyone a little more if it is helps the whole PHP ecosystem, I guess. Right. So I think we're going to have a mix of both. Like we'll probably have a pretty good mix of framework agnostic packages and then framework specific packages like wardrobe. Yeah. Laravel three was really funky because we had, we had packages that like wrapped up other stuff. So like we had like a swift mailer Laravel three bundle, which that was really weird because then we had to like keep it updated and it was just kind of like that was a serious pain. But now that we have access to all of composers packages, all of packages packages, then we don't really have to mess with any of that stuff. And we can just use these kind of framework agnostic things. We don't have to build any more like Laravel wrappers or whatever. Well, and that's, what's really cool about Laravel four is, you know, for some beginners that might want to deal with, uh, like I've looked at creating Stripe, like Stripe helpers for Laravel 4. Yeah. Um, and it's been, you know, Stripe has a, it has a good API for their PHP API. Yeah. There, there are some things to work around, but a lot of the packages were, you know, I created a form helper package and then on the other side, it's really just a service provider and a facade. So that makes it really easy. And then, like you were saying, you had to keep up with SwiftMailer with bundles, but now, you know, you just do Composer Require with yeah. them, and you never have to worry about it again. Yeah, it's kind of like a bridge package. Like, you could have a, um, like, I've seen, like, Twig or Doctor bridge packages where they kind of, like, bootstrap the um, codes and, like, set up the database connections for Doctrine and stuff. But, yeah, it's nice. They don't have to keep Doctrine updated manually since it's all through Composer. So those kind of packages are pretty cool. You know, they're kind of like connectors for more advanced stuff. Like, Doctrine takes you know, quite a bit of code just to configure and set up. So having a package for that is pretty cool with like a service provider and stuff, kind of a bridge to that component. Also, you know, we've had quite a few pull requests come in to the core where like I'll say, why don't you, why don't you try this as a package? Mm -hmm. And uh, like, like what happened with um, the package installer. And then once the package is built, kind of like the package installer, Jeffrey Way's route command or whatever, if it's obviously good or like, you know, something that we need to include in the core, you know, it's already kind of been like tested out and the proof of concepts already been proven. It's already popular. So it's a really good way to like kind of test out features, especially right. since package packages can do like anything. They're totally, you know, basically limitless in your possibilities. Unlike Laravel three, which you were kind of limited in what you could do to an extent, but with Laravel four, you can do anything. So, right. And I think, I think if people want to look at that, uh, the wardrobe core, the wardrobe core package is really, I know Taylor, I worked with you a little bit on how to make that kind of as customizable as possible. I mean, we're yeah. ripping out database and auth and, you know, where, where your views are and we're throwing, we're throwing everything everywhere and kind of restarting up Laravel for a separate instance. The second that, uh, you know, it matches a route and it loads up the space controller, it, that base controller goes and spins up a different connection for everything and, uh, yeah, which is really cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, that is really sweet. And just like that Rocketeer thing we mentioned earlier, like that could have like floundered in a pull request or an issue for like, you know, weeks and months while everyone debated about it and stuff. But instead, since it's a package now, it doesn't bog down core development, you know, since there's already a lot of like a lot of issues and pull requests just on the existing core code. So it doesn't kind of distract away from the core development and it gets something out there that people can tweak. So like, you know, the author of the package can go ahead and start tweaking it and refining it based on real feedback instead of just kind of always living kind of in theory on the pull request or issue board where nothing ever really gets done. So it's a really nice way to get, uh, get stuff out there and get community feedback. And then if something becomes, you know, just like painfully obvious that this is something needed in the framework, then it gets merged back in. So, right. which is, it has some precedent in other languages too. Like Rails 4 has the, um, the new Russian doll caching stuff, which existed as a, uh, I think as a, a gem called Cache Digest. So that's, you know, in other environments, we have kind of the same process of people build these gems or, or bundles or packages and they become really popular and eventually get merged back into the core, which takes a lot of stress and um, kind of time off of the off of, of the core developers. Have you have you ever thought about adding in new features as packages and then and so like doing all new features as packages and then based on feedback and so forth, then then even converting your code over? That's, yeah, um, that would be pretty cool. Like you could, um, mm-hmm. like say we had a feature idea, you could make a package and kind of put it out there for feedback and like not include it by default, you know? Right. That'd be a pretty cool idea. Yeah, sort of. I know that a lot of, especially the JavaScript frameworks are doing that, where it's like, you know, if you don't want to bog down your front end code with localization because you're only in the U.S., then just yeah, you know, don't don't build this part of it or you know exclude this file. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. And like, um, even in Laravel 4, you know, you can go into your provider array or whatever and like comment out providers you don't want, which doesn't really solve, it doesn't really save you a lot now because we have like deferred providers, but you can kind of mix and match Laravel like that. Like you can, um, you can actually just install like the Laravel routing component, Illuminate routing, which basically gives you like a Silex type framework right out of the box. Like you have filters and routes. And controllers, but basically nothing else, you know. And um, you can kind of add on to it as you want, which I've seen people try to do that, but, like, within about 10 minutes, you realize that you need, like, just about every component. Like, you're like, oh, crap, I need views, and oh, crap, I need sessions, and oh, wait, I need to cache this stuff. And before you know it, right. like, you've rebuilt the whole framework. So, but uh, it is an interesting concept, you know, if you're just building, like, a, an API, maybe you just pull in, like, the routing and database component, and that's all you have in your project. Right, and that's what I saw, Taylor. I think you either you or Ian um, had retweeted uh, the creator of uh, was it Symphony that he wrote kind of like a blog post on like how to basically rebuild Symphony from just the Symphony components or something. Yeah, you know, and I think post? he has he has a series of posts on building a framework from the components. Yeah, yeah, and he eventually yeah, like basically builds Symphony back up to full Symphony. I think is the yeah, the pretty result. much. Yeah, pretty. I've in the past, like over the past year or so, I've occasionally had like really small app ideas, and it's like, oh, I'll just use like the routing component, but it just never pans out. Like I always end up right. back on like the full framework, which is fine because the components that you don't use aren't loaded up anyway, so it's not like it's it's not like it's slowing you down or anything. Now, as a package developer, I know working with the workbench, it automatically brings in support. Do you? Uh, yeah. Do you have suggestions of what stuff you should start kind of? 
when you're building your first package. I know something something like Wardrobe Core, I think that we, you know, I don't know the exact everything that we've gone through and whether it was worth it or not, but we right now it's just requiring like Laravel framework. Is that mm-hmm. uh, what you would suggest or would you suggest going down and just picking out the, the pieces it requires since, you know, packages like that are so tightly coupled to a full yeah. installation? Usually I just do the um, components that are required, but um, with Wardrobe being so like kind of its own application within an application, you're going to have quite a few components, I would imagine. So, but with Laravel itself, we just require like the components you need. So like the view component requires like file system support and maybe a couple other things. But yeah, typically I just pull in the things I need. Wardrobe's kind of a specific case where you kind of have mm-hmm. like this full blog. So right. I could see, you know, why you're acquiring in everything there, which kind of makes sense. And, and too, from my point of view, I like to require more than would probably be needed just in case somebody wants to go in and customize it and do anything they want to. Just that way everything's yeah. available. Yeah, um, everything's already there. I, I, yeah, I ran into that before using, I can't remember the CMS I was using, but it was running on Silex for one of those. And, and, you know, I went to build a contact form and, there was no, you know, Swift mail or wasn't included or nothing else. So you're like, oh man, you know. Yeah. So I would much rather have it, and not need it, than you know, be a pain to, to, you know, to yeah. you know, integrate it in. Especially once you start with plugins and and all that that stuff. Right. Yeah, and work Workbench was kind of like this kind of off the wall idea that I had towards the end of Laravel four, where like when you're developing a package, it was kind of awkward to like push the composer all the time and then pull it back down to test it or whatever. Because usually like, even if you're writing unit tests, you just kind of like to play with it like in a real browser and see like stuff come back. Right. And, um, so the workbench was this idea to kind of give you this like package development area workbench, so to speak, where you could, um, develop it in the same kind of folder structure as composer, but use it like within a Laravel app. Um, and I, I, thought that was pretty cool. I'd like to get a lot of community feedback on that because if there's any room for improvement there, because package development has to be like super easy for Laravel forward to really kind of help the ecosystem grow and, um, and get a lot of packages out there. So if anyone has any feedback on that, you know, don't hesitate to um, give it to me, but that was kind of the idea behind workbench was to kind of give you a starting point for packages. And the cool thing about that is I've actually used workbench to um, create packages that weren't even related to Laravel. Like I used the workbench to create our snappy SDK at work just because it was a quick way to like create a lot of those files like composer.json, phpunit.xml, my test folder, my source folder. It just like can do all that in one command. So even though that wasn't a Laravel package, it was a really quick way to just stub out a composer package. Right. So kind of what you were saying, um, making package and kind of making package development as easy as possible for new developers. Do you think, you think that there's stuff that we're missing? Um, is there stuff that you would like to see? Uh, Sean and I were just talking about this yesterday, actually, where sometimes when when I or Sean read the documentation, like it's hard for us to spot what's missing. You know what I mean? Because I think because I've lived in the source code so much, like it's hard for stuff doesn't jump out to me or it's being confusing, you know, obviously because I wrote it. But um, it's always valuable for me to kind of get feedback from other people on what's missing, because a lot of times it's stuff like I wouldn't expect. Whereas um, if I was just reading through it myself, mm-hmm. and that's always really helpful, you know, on the, I just merged quite a few documentation pull requests 
And uh, sometimes it's stuff like I wouldn't have necessarily said was missing. Like I would have never figured it out, even if I read the whole yeah. documentation. So um, that's always really helpful. But what I want to do is in my, my book that I just released, I want to write a, a new chapter or a, a chapter on package development. And uh, I think I'm going to take a couple of the chapters from my book and just put them in the documentation, like, you know, as part of the, the out-of-the-box Laravel documentation, probably the um, – uh, the extending the framework chapter and then anything I write on package development will probably go like straight back into the documentation. Right. Because that's stuff that's so kind of central. It's not really like the rest of the book was kind of more, um, I don't know, my opinion, so to speak, or my approach, but that's really more like core Laravel stuff. So I think that'd be and, pretty helpful. And I think, I think you mentioned this on last podcast, but where, where can people find that book? Uh, the book, uh, is on leanpub.com slash Laravel and it's on application architecture. So, uh, you know, it's been pretty well received. I think people seem, seem to like it and it started a lot of uh, discussion. So that's good. It's, it's definitely gotten me thinking. Um, now one of the, one of the ideas that I had tossed around my head was kind of, um, almost using workbench and packages within your own company as kind of your way to distribute it and break, break your architecture apart what what would your yeah. opinion of that kind of be um you could do that there's also um the composer guys have this thing called uh, i don't know if they pronounce it satis or satis it's s-a-t-i-s but it basically lets you run your own packages private repository of packages which i know uh quite a few companies use this i think the uh, cardalist guys use that to like distribute their packages amongst themselves so like at um at Userscape or whatever, we don't we don't have one, but say we had like a lot of packages we used across a lot of projects that we didn't necessarily want to make public. We can run this like status repository, which they are they give you all the code to run it, and then uh, we just our composer would pull from that and then fall back to packages, you know, for other packages. That so that kind of gives really you cool. like a a full packages workflow, but a private um, setup. I think Eric wanted that at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. pretty sweet. The repository is github.com slash composer slash S-A-T-I-S. So it's a package repository generator, it says. But, yeah, that's a pretty cool little uh, little thing that's not really well advertised, I don't think. But So then you could just fork whatever packages you want and run it off of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. It might be faster. <laughs> yeah, just clone all the packages over there. Yeah. And that's what I know I use a <laughs> right. I use a lot of, and this is something that kind of I did uh, with Wardrobe before publishing what I called RC1, was I was using, I don't think a lot of people know, a version control system using repositories with, with Composer, and that might actually be one of the slides. I don't know if you were talking for Laravon, or Laracon EU. Um, yeah. But I know that VCS I, is a huge, kind of a huge win for me in my personal yeah. development. Yeah, I know he covers this uh, repository stuff in the slide, so mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see that myself and hear him talk about it. Yeah, because it's, it's kind of rough, especially there was that little bit where Packages was down. I think it was like within the first week of Laravel coming out, too. Um, yeah. I was kind of like, man, you know, Packages is kind of weird because you'll push to GitHub, and then it'll take like a minute or two for Packages to catch up, and yeah. he'll keep running Composer updates, which are never fast, but still great i mean and then you keep hitting it and hitting it and hitting it and finally you get the change that you made like five minutes ago so it's like make a cup of coffee and come back yeah 
I got a question for you guys on you know say you you create a um, a package you know packages can you exclude files from getting pulled over through Composer? I'm trying to think, um, you could. Just, um, I was like going to say di- file, for an files example. you have in your in your Git repository that you don't want distributed. Right. Yeah. Like for instance, in Wardrobe, I have you know all these asset files that they just compile down into you know a JavaScript file. And, and they don't really need to be brought over, which, of course, it's not going to be a huge deal if they are, but I was just right. wondering if there was a way to not have them pull over. I don't know. Can You you can't just, like, get ignore them? Well, no, because you need them in there. It's like okay, all the copy script files and everything, yeah. Right. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah I don't know. We'll have to look. We'll, we can ask him at uh, the conference, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not a big deal anyway. I mean... What is it? Hard drives are cheap. <laughs> Storage is right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, sometimes I have people get on me about Laravel being like 25 megabytes, which is mainly because of like Symphony and Doctrine and stuff, but it's like, man, 25 megabytes is nothing. <laughs> no, but. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I know coming from audio, it's like, you know, I bought a new hard drive once I went from audio to web development. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, I've used an extra 100 megs in like three months of development. Yeah, Whereas, like I would cover that in 20 minutes doing audio stuff, so it's kind of crazy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I, I'm interested to see you know what packages people write. It's always pretty interesting for me because people do things like I never even would have thought about. Even back in Laravel three, like there were bundles that were just kind of like surprising, you know, or I never would have mm-hmm. imagined people could do. So it's pretty cool to see the community kind of come up with their own ideas and do unique things with the framework. Now, Taylor, from kind of your perspective as the host of Laravel, the you know the creator, uh, is there any packages that you're kind of wishing were out there that you you still want to see that are kind of? Uh, yeah, I think of some all the time. Um, the billing thing, someone has got to like totally slaughter this billing problem. I know right. like it can be done. Like it just it doesn't. I think if someone was like a little opinionated about it. Um, mm-hmm. like we have, we have those things like Active Merchant or whatever and, uh, OmniPay, but like, if someone could just be, like, not scared to be opinionated, like say, this is gonna work with Stripe, period, that's it. Right. And you're gonna lose some people there, but I think you'll gain, like, so much in terms of API that it's gonna be worth it, where, like, you mm-hmm. totally abstract all that crap with, like, uh, plan-based billing, like, subscription-based billing, because even with right. Stripe, there's, you still have to write a fair amount of code to get that going. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like for me, it's kind of like the password reminder stuff with, um, that came out on Laravel four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, that was 4.0 where it was like the stuff you had on a lot of projects that seriously just made me like dread coding it. You know what I mean? Because it's just going to suck. And it's the same thing every time. Right. And I know that, I know that billing is, you know, obviously not as straightforward, all the time is like resetting a password, but I think there's definitely enough common ground there to where someone could put out a pretty sweet package for that. That would like let you set up a subscription based billing SAS app, you know, just like in a matter of minutes. And that's, uh, that's actually something I can't remember if it was just someone tweeted at Phil or I somehow got in the conversation a few months back that, um, you know, someone was asking for billing and there were, I think asking for Laravel 4, just a PHP package. And someone yeah. kind of mentioned OmniPay. And coming from a security background, the second that I saw that it was actually hitting the server and it wasn't, uh, 
you know, wasn't using the new technologies with SSL and JavaScript, you know, yeah. throw into stuff like Stripe and uh, Braintree and all those kind of things that, you know, yeah. I kind of was like, this isn't what I need. This, yeah. So, and that kind of brings up another question is, um, how much do you see packages also including assets like JavaScripts and image providers and that kind of thing? Mm, What's your opinion on that? I don't look at a ton of packages just because right. I'm kind of busy with other stuff. But most packages probably don't, you know, they probably don't mm-hmm. have views. Um, I'd say it's more the exception that you would have a package that has, like, all its own views. That would be more like what some of the Cardless guys are building where they have, like, full that the Cardless platform, which is, like, this pretty robust solution for, like, a starting point for building apps. But yeah. Mo- most packages I see are not like that. They're more like libraries or um uh more utility type things. So uh I don't see that as often, I don't think. But it's definitely you, not anything wrong with that because right. obviously we have like facilities built in like asset publish and stuff like that which is mm-hmm. you know geared around packages having assets. So Let's see. I'm trying to think of another. I think of packages every once in a while. The billing thing, which I think I mentioned at Laracon US, and then also um, we've talked about like having like an abstraction over cloud storage, so where you could say like input file and then say like to cloud or something like that, and just push it straight out to like S3 or Rackspace. That's kind of a packagey type thing, probably. Um, that'd be a pretty cool package mm-hmm. idea. Like to see that. I know uh, there's a there's a Laravel user here in Arkansas that's written like a um, a Rails paperclip clone for like attaching yeah. images to database records and stuff. Was uh, I think it was called Stapler? It was. Yeah, Stapler. Yeah, I've had lunch with yeah. that guy a few times, and um, he's one of the very few Arkansas Laravel developers. But yeah, that's a pretty that's cool what, package. Yeah, I've actually I can't remember his name, but. I I've talked to him as well, one one or two times, and yeah, yeah that was very cool. Travis, Travis, yeah, and, Travis. Um, yeah, let's see, what other packages have I thought of? The deployment package was cool. I was pretty impressed by that. Um, let's see, but yeah, anything that like anything I have to do repetitively, like the password reminders or billing things, that's always like my number one package request, probably. Right. Anything I'm having to do, like on every project, anything that makes me like dread starting a project, that's what I want to be a package. <laughs> yeah, and I know I think that that billing is going to be if we could get an awesome package for billing, even if it is like you said, just with Stripe. Yeah, um, that it would just be it'd be so nice because I know that was creating you know creating my SaaS app was just that was the biggest headache was dealing with Stripe and dealing with OAuth and all this and yeah. oh man, it was a headache. Yep. And then um, even just generators and stuff to where anything that takes time off of, like, going from app idea to kind of, like, hmm. when you have an app idea, it, it takes you, like, a little while to even get to the point of working on the real idea. You know what I mean? Like, you have to set up this stuff, like, you need people to log in. Um, you have to set up, like, your users table and all that stuff and the off stuff and get your logout stuff and like there's just still there's still a little bit of boilerplate that goes into like starting an app. If I had an idea right now, how long would it take me to actually start working on the real app code and not just mm-hmm. boilerplate code? So anything that like shortens that time, I always like because um you know, that's just the boring stuff, you know, and that's the whole reason I wrote the password reminder stuff is pretty much every single app is going to need it if you're logging people in. 
and it was just an extra 30 minutes to an hour shaved off that kind of that bootstrap time. Right. So, and then the same way with billing, which, um, you know, billing's not something you really, or at least for me, I don't typically do it like at the very start of a project. If it is going to be a billing project, it's mm-hmm. kind of like one of the later things, like you build the app and then you build in the billing stuff. But it's just always something like that gets put off and dreaded, I think, at least for me. Yeah. So, yeah, someone, someone's going to be a hero whenever they write that. But I don't know what the best approach to that would be either. I've thought about like traits, like a billable trait where you could say like user subscribe to plan or whatever and, and subscribe them to different billing plans or right. I don't know. It gets a little funky because you can have like, you can bill users or you can bill like accounts that have many users and you bill at the account level. So I don't know. It's a little, it's a tough problem. You know, it's going to be pretty hard, but I think there's definitely an improvement to be made over what we have now. And that's what I've even tried to deal with kind of some of the assets of it. Yeah. It so you can just be, I know I, I, I did it for Stripe Connect because it was just kind of, I needed something to work for my project. And, you know, I just wanted to be able to say like Stripe Connect with style and just, yeah. I know a lot of people are against HTML helpers, but it makes it so nice instead of having this huge chunk of HTML with inline styles and all that and yeah, not having to include, you know, a CSS file and deal with what Stripe is currently saying your connect button should be like. Yeah, yeah. What, so what some, somebody get on that. I was going to say, have you guys used any of those asset management packages, you know, where they'll compile whatever to JavaScript or CSS or any of those? I haven't used any PHP ones, you know. I've just used, um, you know, we use Grunt at work, Eric, but I know there's a Jason's uh, Basset library, and then there's another one a guy um, is writing that's more like a full, that's more like a Rails-style asset pipeline that kind of compiles on the fly. Which is, does Jason's work like that? Does Basset work like that? I think it does, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, it's a little different. Yeah, it, it it kind of is trying to go to the Rails pipeline kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. And I know Jeffrey Way has one that that uses something Ruby or something Rails. Guard. Yeah, yeah, Ruby Guard. Guard. Yeah, right. And that's that's one because uh, I I kind of tackled the asset pipeline trying to do it for a little bit, and the biggest problem for me was the fact that you know all these compilation libraries every day it seems like a new type of JavaScript or a new, uh, you know, a new framework or something's coming out that you need to support. And, you know, the PHP yeah. converters aren't there since it's it's not the hipster thing to do to be running in PHP. Yeah, that was always kind of the drawback, I think, back when we were looking at assets, was there are, like, a couple PHP, pure PHP converters for, like, less and CoffeeScript, but they're, like, several minor versions behind and... Who I don't even know who maintains them, and it's like I don't know. It feels really risky, so we just use right. like full on grunt because yeah, like right. you have that uh, ascetic package, but that just pipes out to like the npm stuff or whatever. So you still have to install the dependencies with npm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what Jeff Jeff kind of took out some of that headache. Whereas like as long as you have Ruby, Gem, and Bundler installs, it's going to go ahead and look yeah. for, you know, look and see if you have that installed locally or globally. And if not, it'll be like, hey, you need to install this and goes ahead and does it for you, which was really, really nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, asset management seems to be just like really all over the map right now. 
Mm-hmm. Like you have grunt and code kit and guard and any number of other things, you know. Do you think part of that would almost be bettered by a convention? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's just such a – it seems like such an opinionated issue right now. Like I know our setup has worked really well at Userscape, so like – but still at the same time, it's you would have to have people install NPM or Ruby and stuff, and that is – it's possible, you know. I wish we could do it pure PHP, but I don't think it's really going to be an option in the near future. But right, um, I know Jeffrey Way and I talked about was like, do you come up with just like a recommended Laravel solution outside of PHP? You know that we kind of have like a tutorial on or whatever in the documentation, which uses Ruby or NPM or something. So we've talked about mm-hmm. that, but there really hasn't been any like firm decisions on what we're going to do. I really don't think we'll have like a a decision in, at Laravel yeah. 4.1, I bet we'll just still leave it out for whatever and, people want. You know, I'm kind of opinionated, but I, I I fall in with you guys where Grunt seems, especially when you're working with, you know, JavaScript, Grunt seems to be a great tool. I mean, even though you do need to have NPM installed, but it's like let JavaScript deal with JavaScript and then let your server-side language deal with your server-side. Um, I know that there's some tricks of the trade of, dealing with minified versus unminified and uglified code for kind of more of the asset yeah. pipeline, but it would be great to see a package that kind of, you know, plugs into Grunt and says, hey, here's my minified file. When I'm in production, yeah. do that. Um, so yeah, it's a well, bit like thinner. For us, at least, I feel like we would be solving a problem we don't have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I was going to say, yeah. We don't Grunt. have any issues, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Grunt does everything you can possibly need anyway. Um, yeah. And then I'm sure the other ones are the same way. It's just, um, you know, I, I just, I knew there were a few packages out, but I've never, never tried any of them. So I didn't know if, if uh, they were like something super good I've been missing and need to I be enlightened on. Even if we had like a, just a documentation page that shows kind of how we set up Grunt at Userscape for Snappy and just kind of, walks you through like how we set up the um our grunt file and where we put our assets and stuff like in the app directory and even that would probably be valuable i guess rather than trying to like build out a full solution mm-hmm. right yeah and we'll i know just, we'll just send them to wardrobe because it does the same way <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah basically if you want to know how to do assets or crazy packages or hacking at the core look at wardrobe because it does a lot of it <laughs> Yeah, at least now it now it's now it's going there. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even get that many requests to do anything about assets. Like, mm-hmm. I get requests for other stuff much more often, like um, eloquent stuff or or whatever. But rarely do I get like, "Hey, we really need a package solution or an asset solution." I hardly ever have that said to me. So, yeah, that kind of tells me it's not it's not really a huge issue at the moment. I yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I don't see it being being needed more often lately it's stuff like i need um you know many to many polymorphic relations or i need uh some kind of funky eloquent stuff eloquent seems to be kind of the main area people want or always asking for more features and then um any type of like flexibility stuff people always want like swapping out authentication stuff or database stuff and i think eloquent um I've been trying to be on top of some of it as far as in the community on, you know, people ask for this kind of API change. And that's a that's a great 
that's a great opportunity for someone that's kind of a beginner package creator because um, that really is just one or two files and you just throw it in and then in your app config file say eloquent isn't a database model it's now you know whatever your package name is and that's uh, I mean still you can still put that issue if you think it's something a lot of people are going to use but uh, you know if it's just kind of your one edge case and you want to be able to hack this one area eloquent is yeah. really it's really easy once you start going into the code I know it took me took me about an hour to really read through it and figure out what's going on um, yeah once you do it's really easy and really configurable okay well we've covered uh, quite a bit of ground here in this podcast just on packages uh, thanks a lot uh, you know for everyone who's been behind Laravel and Sean McCool is kind of a uh, been an organizer behind this podcast. So, um, you know, thanks to him for his time uh, in building the community at Laravel.io. And uh, we'll sign off here. This is uh, Taylor Otwell, Eric Barnes, and Ryan talking about packages. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.